All right, good morning, everybody. Sorry about the technical difficulties there. I think we're going to be good to go now. Um, yes, we're on the right internet. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds, and we do service on every Sunday at 9 o'clock if I can get my stuff together. Um, service every Sunday at 9 a.m. So thank you for being here today. Um, I'm, I'm going to start out with a few things, and then we're going to jump into it. Um, Jeremy Hines just wrote this this morning. I thought it was a nice way to start this service. Happy rising, my friends. If you know yourselves, you will become known, and you will realize that you are the sons of the living Father. If you do not know yourselves, you dwell in poverty, and it is you who are that poverty. So I thought that was pretty nice. So thank you, Mr. Hines. I also want to say um, uh, my face is looking a little tore up and red, and if you're wondering why, it's because four days ago I woke up looking like this. I woke up like... <laughs> really bad. So I ended up getting fiberglass in my face and I've been picking fiberglass out of my face for the last like four or five days. So it's been pretty freaking miserable. I look like I look like a character from like George, like a retarded George Lucas on LSD created a new Star Wars character. That's pretty much what it looks like. So pretty much George Lucas, but um, yeah, uh, Puffy the Hut is what we're calling that. So anyway, so I'm, I don't look good, but I look a lot better than I did four days ago. So anyway, the, the, the moral of the story, the lesson of the story is kids wear your mask. Okay. This wouldn't have happened at all if I would have been double masked and the face shield, you know? So this is the one point where uh, uh, Mr. Fauci was correct. So, okay. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Mr. Andrew Masonette. Um, so that's why I'm looking a little haggard. Wear your face mask, kids. Okay, today we're going to talk about... Um, I was going to do something different, but then uh, time constraints and all the other stuff, I got into this chapter, and it's, um, so we're just going to march ahead with it. So, right, you know, we did chapter 15 last week. Let's do 16 this week. Upon this rock, I will build my church. This is episode 75 of the Sunday services. And we'll start out with a prayer, and then we're going to jump into it. As I like to say, lots of stuff going on. I think this this chapter only has like 30-some verses or something, but there's a whole lot going on in them. So, let's do a prayer, and then we'll march into it. Dear God, Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit this day. Fill us with your joy, your wisdom, and with constant reminders that your presence will go with us and you will give us rest. Thank you that you came to give new life, peace, hope, and joy to your children. Thank you that your power is made perfect in our weakness. We know that you are with us and you fight for your people. We believe that it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit that you make a difference in our world. We choose to trust you today and to recognize the authority of who you are in our lives. Amen. That's what Gnostics do. We choose to trust in the authority of God and no one else. We don't listen to the commandments of men. So, that's what Gnosticism, that's what Gnosticism is all about. Okay, so, episode, or uh, excuse me, <laughs> Chapter 16, number one, let's march forward. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. So they wanted, they wanted essentially proof that he was this Messiah, like show us a sign. Of course, they were never going to see a sign, right? Because they don't have Christ within them because they reject Christ. So if you reject the very thing that brings you this vision, this, this understanding, this wisdom and this knowledge, if you reject that, then you're never going to see the sign. So, um... And then it goes on to say this, basically calling them hypocrites, right? And he says, and he answered and said unto them, when, it, when it's evening, oh, you Jews, you say this, when it's evening, you'll be, it's fair weather for the sky is red. Oh, look, it's going to be really good weather. The sky is red. Then after that, what do you say? And in the morning, it'll be foul weather, not fair weather today. And you'll say, oh, the sky is red because it's, you know, uh, it's because it's going to be foul weather. Or is it fair? They're being total hypocrites. And then he says, oh, ye hypocrites. 
You, you, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the sign of the times? This is, this is really good. So first off, face definition. Notice the, notice the language that they're using. You can discern the face of the sky. We'll get back to that. What's the definition of face? It's, of course, the front part of a person's head. We all know what the face is. Like mine today looks like shit. This, it's also the surface of a thing, especially one that is presented to the view or has a particular function. In geometry, though, it's each of the surfaces of a solid. Okay? So Jesus is saying in one sense, he's saying, oh, you can, you know, map and track the stars, right? Okay, cool. So you know all that information, right? But you're, you're total hypocrites and you're not living that. But you can't discern the sign of the times because you're not living in that way, that truth, that life. If you have Christ and you live in that way, then you'll be able to have discernment. You Jews don't, is what he's saying. Okay, now notice he says the face of the sky. Now there's lots of things we can talk about here, but one of the things, of course, they're mentioning is Aries. And we'll get back to this a whole bunch of times in this, this live stream. Another thing that they're referring to, and I'll, we'll return to this as well, if I can find it, is the face of the sky. The face of the sky, that's, that's the language that they're using, right? And they even give you, I mean, one of the definitions is geometric. So what is the face of the sky? So if we look up into the sky, what do we see? Or what, what, do we, what, are we, what are we told that's up there? The firmament, right? What does firmament mean? Firm means to make firm or establish. And mental, of course, comes from mind. Firm means securely fixed in place, okay? So basically what we're saying is that, you know, that up there, that's, that's in the sky, is, is a reflection of your dome, okay? And we're going to revisit this in this live stream, okay? Again, so I just want to mention that. Okay, so the other thing is that what they're saying is the face of the, the sky, but you cannot discern the, the, discern the signs of the times. The word sign is, of course, astrological, and we'll, we'll get, that, get to that in a second. You can, the, what, is the, what is the face of the sky? That would be the father, Right? Who's in the sky? Father time. Or I'm not Father Time, but Father, the, the Almighty Father, God in heaven, right? That's who that not Father Time. Um, so Father, what you can discern the face of the sky. So we, we talk about firmament, mental, that's the sky, right? The father is also the re representation of what? It comes from the word pattern. So what is he saying? Oh, you can understand the patterns of the sky. You have that wisdom, but you don't have any heart because you're hypocrites. Now, he also says this, this is yet another, and there's tons of references in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, to this, this notion of the world ages doctrine. But ye cannot discern, can ye not discern the sign of the times? Of course, once again, what would be the sign of the times in the, in the world ages changing, right? It went from Pisces to Aries, and then it's going what? To Aquarius, that's the idea, right? event or you know aries pisces aquarius excuse me i said that incorrectly but the sign of the times is is a representation of the world ages doctrine and that's basically the the word I mean, we've talked about this many many times it's all throughout the bible you just have to understand the language in which it's being in, in, unveiled in the notion that the world or the cosmos is a living thing and undergoes undergoes stages of development similar to those of the human individual and that's exactly what's going on. So each of these ages has a particular quality and you know uh, feel to it, if you will, right? And so the world ages doctrine is all all over the world, right? You've got the Dupara, Satya, Kali, Treta Yuga, the Yuga cycles. You've got the the great you know Platonic years, what they call it, gold, silver, bronze, iron. Down there at the left hand corner, that's the ages of um, the Christian ages of man, and there's like six of them around one, as you can see. We'll get back to that. Up top, what what were the Mayans doing? Calculating long cycles of time. Why? Because they were calculating world age changes. 
And that's what their that's what their prophecies say is happening. They never, never said there's going to be some pole shift in 2012 or something. They like, no, there's a age, world age changes. And this is the six ages of the world, another illustration of that, of speci specifically Christian, okay? We also talked about, um, this is the beginning of the sword and the stone, right? And this is Merlin, and he's trying to get some water from the bottom of a well. And this is the opening line of that film, The Sword and the Stone. He says, a dark age indeed. Of course, we all, we've always heard about dark ages, golden ages, and things like that. A dark age indeed, age of inconvenience, no plumbing, no electricity, no nothing. Oh, hang it all, hang it all. Oh, now what, what? Leave off, leave off. He's trying to, he's trying to kick this chain off. Oh, you, you fiendish chain. <clears throat> Everything complicated. One big medieval mess because the medieval times, there was they were considered the dark ages, right? What's so funny is that he actually comes back at the end of this film, of that film, and comes to the time that we're in, and he's like, it's a bloody mess. It's a shithole. <laughs> so, which is hilarious. So, sign of the times is what? Astrology is specifically mentioning the sign constellation of the times. Astrology, what a sign mean, means each of the 12 equal sections into which the zodiac is divided, named from the constellations. So specific language to tell you exactly, you know, what, what Jesus is saying here. What are we? 16.4. A wicked and adulterous generation. You're wicked and adulterous. All of you. Your entire generation is. That's true. Seeketh after a sign. You're trying to find, you're looking for the heavens. Oh, there's a sign. We're looking for it, right? But there shall be no sign unto you given unto you, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. He's like, you're not going to see the sign. You're not going to see Christ arise up here in your Golgotha, your skull, your Aries, your ram, your lamb. You're not going to see that. Who's Jonas? This is Jonah and the whale. So basically, if you can see the uh, right there, right? So there's, uh, there's Pisces. What's right next to Pisces? Aries, of course, right? That's a representation of the rising up. Um, you have Cetus, the whale there. It's a big fish, a big damn fish. And of course, Jonah, there's J the Jonah the whale, right? Right by Jonah actually, I believe, means uh, dove and peace as well. So you've got Columba and Jonah there, Jonah and the whale, of course. So basically what he's saying is you're not going, he's telling these, these scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and all that sort of stuff, you're not going to see the sign of Aries. You're going to see a big bloated fish. That's all you're going to see. You're not going to see the lamb rising up to the top. Okay, let's keep a rocking on. <clears throat> and when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Let's talk about bread for a second. <clears throat> bread, you, you see all throughout, and we'll see it many times in this chapter, or several times in this chapter, you see it all throughout the Bible, like, oh, the bread of life, and oh, we, you know, there's like, oh, he fed these people with bread, that sort of stuff, right? When you look at the, the terminology around baking bread, right? It's flour, yeast, salt, water, wheat, right? Look at flour. Flour is much like our, which is a representation of what? The sun, which is what astrology is all ultimately based on, is that path of the sun. The, the day is, is born and the night is born from where the sun, the path of the sun. The yeast, what does the sun do? It rises in the east. The salt, what is the salt? It's, cu it's cubic, which is a representation. It's alchemical. It's the salt of the earth right here. Water, and you, of course, sometimes wheat. And what's wheat? Heat. You just take the W away. So all of those things, all the terminology is specifically referencing this, you know, think about what you do when, it's totally alchemical. Think about what you do when you bake bread, right? You basically put all of these ingredients together that on their own, they're just kind of ingredients or whatever. But then you put them together, you mold it, you put, you know, you push it and you knead it and you do all this other stuff to form it. And then you put it in the oven to bring heat. And what does it do? It rises. 
And that is all a metaphor for your spiritual life. And this is why Jesus is considered the bread of life. And then they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. It's that sustenance. And we're going to see what, what happens with that sustenance. It multiplies when, when, when you bring Christ into it, right? He cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And then, of course, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Okay? <clears throat> A few more things. Virgo is known as the house of bread. Okay, so he's basically saying all oh, these 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 uh, scribes, or whatever they didn't bring their they didn't bring the bread. Okay, what is the, what is the house of bread as we know? It's Virgo. Virgo has the sheath of wheat. It's it's the time of harvest, of course. Um, I think Spica, which where is Spica on there? Do you see Spica? I'm not sure, but Spica. Oh yeah, it's it's right, pretty much right on the ecliptic in the bottom left there. That basically means shaft of wheat is what Spica means. So it's all in Virgo, the constellation Virgo. So what does that bread represent? Purity. It's the virgin purity. So that's what, you know, so House of Bread, Bethlehem is, of course, the same place. Uh, of course, you have Spica, Shaft of Wheat, all that other stuff. So what does is, what is the bread represent? It represents purity. It represents your ability to what? Arise all the way up to the top of the Lamb. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And of the Sadducees. So in this in this metaphor, what is the leaven? It's one of the ingredients that you put in bread to make it rise. That's what leaven is. Do I have the definition here? I do. It's a substance, typically yeast, that is that is allowed to rise by the sun in the east, if you will, that is used in dough to make it arise or aries. It's also a pervasive influence that modifies something or transforms it for the better. So you want to bring that leaven of Christ into your life, this metaphorically speaking, work with that, knead it, put the heat and let it rise. But he says, beware of the leaven of the Jews. Take heed and beware of the leaven, that, that agent within the bread that allows it to rise, and of the Sadducees, the Pharisees. And they reasoned among themselves. That's this this line is so great because they're what what they're saying is is that they went to each other and tried to basically suss out the situation and figure out how they can get around it and they're reasoning with themselves. They are not going to the ultimate reason, which is God, right? Which is the Word. The Word it, Logos is even given the terminology according according to uh, Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus as reason. That's what Logos means. The Word is reason. So they didn't reason with God Almighty. They reason with their, of course, they're the scribes and they're the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. What are they? They're 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 wicked. They're hypocrites. And they reason among themselves, saying, "It is because we have taken no bread." And and when Jesus, uh, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, "O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? You should have consulted me, because ye have brought no bread." Okay, then. You, you hear this. He's like, wait, did you not remember? Did you not understand the parables that I just gave you in chapter 14 and chapter 15? We'll go over them again. Do ye yet, or do yet, do ye not yet understand, comma, neither remember the five loaves bread of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? 1610. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets ye took up? Now, He's like, don't you remember this? Don't you? He's telling this. I gave you this parable and this riddle, and you didn't understand it. 
So what was what is what were they mentioning? We covered all of this in the chapters. So the top there, there's 14, 19, 20, and 21, and then the, the bottom there is chapter 15. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven, which is exactly where we are, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. What is happening? He's fracturing, he's breaking, he's put, he's taking off pieces of bread. And instead of that bread d- dividing itself, what is it doing? It's multiplying. It's doing the inverse. Multiplication is nothing more than a reflection of division. So when he's taking this bread, he's separating it out and, oh, little pieces are chunking out. But really it's, what he's doing is multiplying because he's feeding 5,000. So much so that there would be extras. There would be leftovers. And he took the, then he goes on to say he took the seven loaves and the fishes, gave thanks, break them, and gave, his, gave to the disciples. And once again, this disciples to the multitudes. Broke it off. All of a sudden, we've got exponentiation. We've got, a, we've got a multiplication. We've got this doubling effect going on. And they did eat. All were filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men, besides women and children. Okay, I'm going to take a take a little second to break this all apart. So what are we given here? Let's see. Let's first look at um, the orange there, right? So there's 5,000 men and there's 4,000. Okay, so we've got about 5,000, about 4,000 is really what we're dealing with. Well, we recognize that those numbers are directly found in squaring the circle. So when we merge heaven and earth, what we're given is what I call this axiomatic triangle between the circle and the square. When you proportion this out, it proportions out to 711. That's one of the proportions. It can be 14, 22, you know, whatever. 28, whatever it would be, 44, whatever. So when you proportion this out to 5,040, which is what? 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 times 6 times 7, the height 5,040, it's the base of that base of that triangle will be 7,920, which means half of it is 3,960. So this parable is actually giving you by saying, oh, it's about 5,000, 4,000. What it's saying is, hey, 5,040 and roughly about 4,000. And do you know what you just got? The 90 degree to get you to what? The, the, uh, the, the you know, this is your Pythagorean theorem, right? It's A squared plus B squared equals C squared. If you have 5,040 here and 3,960 here, which means you can find that hy- hypotenuse. And that's exactly what he's saying. He's like, he's giving you a parable because that's how Jesus speaks. And he's like, hey, 4,000, 5,000, why? Then he's wrapping it up in what? Breaking bread, multiplying. What do we, so now let's look at this. So here's our, here's our squared circle again. Okay, the base of that pyramid, number one, the, you know, it's a, the, the proportions are 7-Eleven. So there's the base of that pyramid. What, the radii equals 3,960, okay, which means the total diameter would be 7,920. Everybody see that? You go up that little red mark there, that red line, that's proportions out to 5,040, okay? And this is exactly what they're giving you in the, in the parable. 3, 000, about 4,000, about 5,000, roughly, okay? So now look what he's saying. So then he says, oh, well, let's go back. Let's go back and pick this apart. He says, oh, let's see. How many baskets did we get? We got seven baskets full, and then there was 12 baskets that were full. There was seven baskets on the bottom there, seven baskets in the yellow that were full, and 12 that were full. Well, what's the numbers between seven and 12? Eight, nine, 10, and 11. What's eight times nine times 10 times 11? It's 7,920, which is what? The base measurement of that triangle. What's the height of that triangle? Well, you just multiply one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
And what do you get? 5,040. So in other words, here, let's do this. The two proportions that you need to create this are given to you by Jesus in this parable. The height is 5,040. The width of this 7,920. How do we find that height? That's seven. We multiply one through seven. How do we find that base? That's 11. Well, you continue on from seven and multiply through 11. One times two times three times four times five times six times seven is 5,040. And eight times nine times 10 times 11 is 7,920. Now, this whole, as, as we, as we, so this is, this is the squared circle. And this is what, once again, this is what they use to manipulate the cosmology of earth. These are the, this is the, the, these are the uh, metrology, if you will, of the sun and moon. It's not really, of course, because the earth is flat and stationary and balls suck. But that's what they're doing. Now, this, par- this parable was brought to us by what? Two fishes. They're in the blue there, right? Five loaves and two fishes. And then it goes down and they took the seven loaves and the fishes. The fishes. These are all the components of this parable. Well, all of these components fit beautifully when we square the circle. That proportion, that triangle right there, is a 7-11 triangle. Using 7-11, you get that proportion. Then, in order to create that geometrically, you're going to need two fishes. You're going to need this ictus fish and that small ictus fish. So, Jesus, what is Jesus giving you in in these parables? Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets he took up, neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many baskets he took up? He's giving you all the math, all the symbolism, in order to what? Square the circle. Square the circle. What is squaring the circle? Squaring the circle has long been revered as the ancient geometrical problem, the ancient geometrical problem. The problem arose with the need to find the area of a circle. The solution was to find a formula or geometric construction that would would enable someone to draw a square with an area that exactly corresponded to the area of a particular circle. The difficulty of this problem has been coined in the alchemical lore as squaring the circle. The geometric process of finding equality within the circle and the square, right? This sort of equality between them two. Leading one to the merging of heaven and earth, because that's what the circle and square are, is the process of bringing the entirety of the divided and individuated world back to its first primordial state of ultimate unification. That's the mystical, that's the, the, the mystic or the spiritual message behind squaring the circle, merging the heaven and the earth, the circle and the square, merging them into one and recognizing where that comes from and that comes from God Almighty. And this is why Jesus says in the end of this whole book, this is how it'll pretty much end. And Jesus came and spake unto them, all power is given unto me in circle and in square, the heaven and the earth. So let's go back and say, let's look at this again. Oh, ye little faith, you reason amongst yourselves instead of looking to God. Do you yet? Do you not yet understand that you remember the five loaves, 5,000? What he's saying is, oh, I gave you the parable to square the circle, to bring heaven and earth uniting into one. And you're never, you're not going to do that. You're not going to, your whole generation is not going to do that because you're wicked. That whole parable of the two fishes and all that is all about squaring the circle. Seven, eleven. 
all the pieces you need to find those. Now, notice, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. The whole parable is wrapped in chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. Now we got, you know, the eternal, the bread of life, which is Jesus. It's eternal. Of course, it multiplies and divides because, you know, that sort of thing. So that, what was that? Okay, sorry. I want to talk a little bit about the bread because they use bread as this, you know, for this um, parable. Now, let's look at bread. Bread, the, the etymology of bread literally means, um, let's see, and the Old English word deriving from the Proto-Germanic Braudsmann, which means fragments or bits, fragments or bits, to break in pieces, being re related to the root of break. Bread, literally a piece. So they're even, even the etymology of bread is basically saying, look, you're, you, you got pieces of this, right? This is what a fractal is, which fractal is just a modern day understanding of basically what we're going to be talking about here. But a fractal is basically means to fracture, to break. That's what it means, right? And that's exactly what you do, breaking bread, of course. It's a, but the fractal is a never-ending pattern. Latin fractus, interrupted, irregular, literally broken, to break. So fractal and bread share at least the same, roughly the same etymology. And of course, fractals are all over nature. It's a self-similarity across scales. The little, you know, large is in the small, the small is in the large kind of thing, right? Okay. So bread to break, fractals to break, to fracture, to make into pieces, that sort of thing. What, what happens with fractals? That's exactly what happens with fractals. You take the one and instead of, you just multiply it. And then what does it happen? Well, it just, you know, it forms things that look a lot like nature. Let's just say that. So you take the one and next thing you know, oh, I can feed 5,000. One little chunk of bread. All I need is five loaves of bread and two fishes, and then I'm just going to multiply that shit out. And that's literally what bread means, to break into pieces. Fractal means to break into pieces. Fracture. So that's what's going on. And what is this, what's the message, ultimately? Well, you are a fractal of God. That's, that's, that's ultimately the message, that you're a reflection of the whole thing, and that's what the Zodiac Man means. It's as above, so below. So all of that symbolism in, in just simply in bread, you know? So there's your parables right there. Sixteen eleven. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it to ye not to you concerning bread? That ye should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is not going to allow your spirit to rise. In fact, last chapter we talked about the fact that, oh, it's like, oh, the Jews were condemning Jesus because the disciples didn't wash their hands. And what did Jesus say? What, what, what was his retort, his response? He's like, washing your hands, that's just a, just a, a ritual. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have it here and you don't have it here. Then understood they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So then they understood. They're like, oh, the, I get it. I get it. The leaven of the bread, they're literally just saying, telling you, oh, that's following Judaism. <laughs> but the, oh, beware of the leaven of bread. But of the, it's not, you don't have to beware of actual leaven that you're putting into bread. No, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because that doctrine, what? Refutes Christ. 
when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked, and we'll figure out where this is in just a second, he asked his disciples, um, oh, I'm sorry, you know what? Let me say one more thing here. Look at what he's saying. He's like, okay, so you understand the parable, right? It's not about really about leaven. It's about following the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and those who have their father, the devil. Titus 1.14, this, this, this one's pretty good. Who's talking about these Sadducees and the Pharisees? Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. That's some pretty harsh language for the Jews. So let's find out where he came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi. Where is you know it's basically Caesar Philippi? You know you can see the root of Caesar there. Let's look up the etymology of Caesarea Philippi. Um, Philippi. Uh, Caesar is of course we get from Julius Caesar. It's an emperor, ruler, a dictator. Um, and Pliny derives the word Caesarius from a head of hair. Sometimes a really bushy head of hair. So hairy is basically what Caesarea means. Philip means fond of horses. He's a horse lover. Beloved loving, hippos, which means horse. So he's a horse lover. So we got this guy who's an emperor ruler. He's got a thick head of hair and he loves horses. Well, okay, we're going to point out where this is in the sky. And we've already been here the last chapter. In fact, it's Tyre and Sidon, same place. First off, who are the horses that they're, they're mentioning here, right? Um, when we talk about Philip being the Horse lover, fond of horses. That's the unicorn, which is Monoceros. No, uh, maybe there was unicorns that lived at some point in, in history or whatever, but we do know that the unicorn is a constellation. That's Monoceros. Ceros meaning horn, mono meaning one. And then up, up top there is Origa. Origa is the chariot. Of course, what pulls a chariot? Horses. So we're going to see that right in this area, There, you, you will find the horses. Hence, he's a horse lover. So then he's hairy. Pliny derives Caesarius from hairy. Okay, well, what is this? And we'll pan back and I'll show all this in just a second. This is a reference to, of course, the Old Testy stuff. Okay? Jacob and Esau. Okay? And this is Jacob and Esau is, of course, what? It's, it's, we'll see. It's the constellation Gemini, right? To, uh, what does Jacob mean? It means to supplant, to follow, or be behind. To follow or be behind, it also comes from the Hebrew word to heal. So when the mother, who's the mother of Jacob? Anyway, mother gave birth to Jacob and Esau. Esau came first and Jacob grabbed his heel on the way out of the JJ is the story. Okay, and that hence why you have Jacob, which means heel to follow behind. Esau is what? He means hairy. Esau is a boy's name of Hebrew origin. The name translates to hairy. What is Sisera? means hairy. Okay. So this is, now notice East, Jacob to follow, to be behind, for to, he, to heal, the heel of somebody's foot. And this is, this is Gemini. And you can see the heads of Gemini are Castor and Pollux. 
That's the head. You can even see they're sort of holding hands, and their feet are Propus and Althena. Okay, so you know basically the constellation actually has heads and head, bear heads and feet, that sort of thing. This is of course Gemini the twins, is what they're referencing here. Like I said, I'll I'll pull back and we'll see the whole thing. Okay. In right next to Gemini is Taurus. In Taurus, now notice we had those, the one that says to fall behind, to follow, grab his heel. Right next to Gemini is Taurus. And in Taurus is a star called the Aldebaran. And Aldebaran means the follower. So not only do we, you know, basically you have two different references to say, hey man, this is somebody's following, leave behind, that sort of thing. Okay? So, Caesarea Philippi. Okay, now let's once again, let's go back. He's an emperor, a ruler, a dictator, head of hair. Loves horses. Where are we? <clears throat> exactly where we've been. Just in the last chapter. This is your winter hexagon. Once again, Caesarea is the coasts of Caesarea. What's the coasts? It's the, it's the geometric sides of that, of that solid. Metaphysical solid, if you will. That's the coasts. <laughs> okay. He's a horse lover. Well, who's there? Oraga, which is what? A chariot, which pulls horses. And right across from it is Monoceros, which is what? A celestial horse. So he's fond of horses. He also has a head of hair. Okay. Well, as we know, Gemini there is a reference to what? Jacob and Esau. What was Esau? Harry. Literally right there. Now, right across from that hairy Jacob or Esau that was born first, right across from that is what? Go right up. Directly across. Lepus. You know what lepus is? It means hair. H-A-R-E. Of course, it's a bunny, but it's called a hair. So he's hairy. Coasts. Philippia loves horses. Now, so what does this represent? Ultimately, it's six around one, which is, we just keep going back to this. Six around one, six around one. Why? Six around one is seven, and that encodes pi. Not only, and we talked about this, I don't have the graphic, but we, I, we actually talked about this last week. That encodes pi too. Regal, Sirius, Procyon, Pollux, Capella, and Aldebaran. If you do the Gematria values, 132, you reduce them down, it's 42. 132 divided by 42 is 3.142. It's pi. So not only does that actually just give you pi in literally just in the Gematria, if you just look at it geometrically, it's six around one, which gives you what? Pi, seven. What's his name? Caesarea, 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 Philip P. Philip P. What is P? It's pi. P, pay, and pi are all, and then, then you go to exactly where it is, and what do you find? Pi, multiple ways, through the number seven and through the actual stars that create that winter hexagon right there. Now, look at this. What is a, you guys know what a C-section is, right? Like I was born from a C-section because you're supposed to come out head first. Your Aries is supposed to pop out. That's not what happened to me. I came out ass first and that's pretty much how I've been leading my life thus far. Caesar, a C-section is called a cesarean section. Is it not? Correct. It's a cesarean. That's where you cut the mother open so that the babies can come out. So now look at Taurus there. Gemini is the twins. Jacob and Esau, Castor Pollux, 
There's the twins there. Those twins were born from where? Just go right on that ecliptic, right through the legs of Taurus. You see the horns, if you will, the legs. And we'll, So in other words, between those legs, Gemini is born. Okay? It's the Taurus. And what do those things look like? When you cut a woman open, you use what? It would be like scissors, right? That sort of thing. So you have scissors here, cutting open, giving, you know, twins, if you will. This is cesarean section. It's the delivery of a fetus by surgical incision through the abdominal wall and uterus from the belief that Julius Caesar was born that way. It comes from kaderi, meaning to cut. Okay? Well, here's your ovaries, which is your aries, your uterus, which is your uterus, which even looks like a bull's head. It's the female reproductive system. Get your ovaries, you right? And then what's born from your ovaries and your uterus? Up twins, Gemini. The cervix, by the way, is a ligament in the neck. That's what so you see the, the the basically on the if you will the the face of that bull in the you know the in utero if you will right the face of that bull is the cervix, and it's a ligament of in the neck. It's it literally means the neck or the nape of the neck. What is? <clears throat> let's see if I have this here. I probably don't. What is the zodiac man? The neck is what Taurus. Sorry, I don't have the graphic there. The neck is Taurus. So, the coasts of Caesarea, hair, Jacob and Esau, hair on the top, and the coast, fond of horses, Origa, Monoceros, and, um, and there you go. The C-section. Um, let me continue on. <clears throat> When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They're in the very place in the sky in which what? Oh my God, I'm totally losing my... Right? They're in the place of the sky that is what? Six around one. Even Orion is like striking that one right there, right? Six around one. Okay? Now he says, where the Son of Man is. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It's the center point in the whole thing. The Son, the divine light of man, the light that empower, that that runs this system, right? That light is within man. He's asking, who do you say I am? You're, the response is supposed to be, oh, this spark right here, that's what you are, Christ. And we'll find that that's exactly what happens in the next chapter, too. It's six around one. It's the winter hexagon to point to the very center. So, and he says, <clears throat> Oh, they said, they retort, who, who am I? And they said, well, some, some say that uh, you're John, the Baptist. Some, they, they say you're Elias. They, they, can't, they can't see him. They can't see Christ because they have not done the awakening, if you will. And others, uh, Jeremiah. Or maybe you're one of the prophets. And he's like, no, 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 no. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that? I don't give a shit about what everybody else says. Who do you see? Do you see the Spirit of God? Because we know the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees don't see it. So what is he saying? He's saying, who am I? It's the I am. 
That's what you're supposed to see. You're supposed to see that divine spark that's in the center of the whole thing, literally given to you geometrically in the sky. And this is what we do. We go through many incarnations until we figure that out, until we actually say, oh, you're, you're the son of the living God. That's what you are, Christ. We go through all these incarnations to ultimately find out that. It's like, I'm Bobby Knight. No, I'm Tammy Tambo. No, I'm Alicia Dixon. I'm an aborted baby. I'm Jenny 8675309. No, I'm John Johnson. No, I'm Prince. No, you're none of that shit. This is his message. What you actually are is that eternal divine spark that rests within you. And that's literally the next line. Or Simon Peter, Aries, as we know, Simon Peter is Aries, the ram, the lamb. He answered Jesus and says, oh, I, teacher, teacher, I know thou art the Christ, the sun, the light of the living God. Notice the God isn't dead. God is alive and well. <laughs> so he's saying, Peter knows, because why? Because Peter's Aries, ram, lamb. Thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Now, the, what, is the, what is the Christ? We've talked about this. This is the, the, the Christ means the anointed. That's why he is Jesus, the Christ. He's been anointed. Um, synonymous with the Greek word Messiah. You know, Mosiach, that sort of thing. A title given to Jesus of Nazareth. Of course, chrism is an oil mingled with balm. It's a sacred ointment consecrated and used in church rituals. And the oil actually comes from, you know, olive oil. This is the Mount of Olive. olive. We've talked about that before. But this chrism is your spinal fluid. As the colorless fluid goes around your brain and spinal cord, it cushions those organs, pick, picks up needed supplies from your blood, and gets rid of waste products from the brain. So your cerebral spinal fluid goes all the way up here as your crystal, it's your oil, it's your balm, up into your Aries, and then it goes all, just as we say in the story that it's that he's literally doing in the story. He's going down from the north of the, the you know the pole star, then he goes straight through and goes all the way down to what the southern celestial pole, and then he goes straight back up. He does this continually throughout the story. Why? Because that's what he does. That's what the chrism, that's what the oil, that's what the balm does. God, man, the word made flesh. You guys know this book? The fluid oil or marrow which flows down the spinal cord comes from the upper brain, the creator or father of the most high, and is known in physiognomy as ovum or the generative seed. It's the seed of life. That life essence which creates the human form of corruptible flesh. In the Greek, uh, in the Greek, from which the New Testament was translated, this marrow is called Christ, which is the Greek word for oil. When this oil is refined, transmuted, lifted up, raised, Aries, arised, it becomes so highly vitalized that it regenerates the body and overcomes the last enemy, death. You're overcoming, when you raise Christ up into here, right? When you, you're overcoming death, which means what? You're eating from that eternal bread of life. You are into the, the realms of the eternal. By lifting up the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the seed, the Word, the Savior, the oil, the Christ in the spinal cord is the salt, which is mentioned in the Bible, and the Savior is the sea or Jesus. So that's exactly, you know, this is why, you know, it's like, oh, I, I see, you're, you're, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. That's Kabbalistic. It's Kabbalistic. It's a gift. He's, he's, he, you received it because God gave it directly to him. This is a revelation. This is a revealing. This is a, your own personal apocalypse. This is your you know, great aha moment, if you will. He's like, well, your flesh and, flesh and blood, that does, that's, no, that's temporary, impermanent. That just comes and goes. That's not what you are. You are eternal. And this message comes directly, Kabbalistically, from the Father in heaven. 
Simon Barjona. Why is he called Barjona? Simon, of course, we know Simon means, um, you know, we talked about this. Simon Peter's, of course, your Simon, your Aries, your Ram, your Lamb, your Head. It's he who was heard, you know, that sort of thing. But it also, Bar Jonah, Bar means son, and Jonah means he's the son of the, the whale. He's the son of Jonas. Okay? So, we are saying he's Aries. <laughs> like, he's like, he's Aries. He's, you know, psychology, Simon, he has heard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Simon Peter's the first one that Jesus is ordained, which means he's the first house in the Zodiac. That's Aries. So, we're making all these connections to Aries. Then, his last name is Bar Jonah, which means son of the whale. What's right under Cetus? Jonah the whale. What's right under that? Aries, Simon Barjona, the son of Jonah the whale. Sixteen eighteen, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's the rock? Hold on. Before we get to that, before we get to that, this is verse, Jesus's church is being established in this sense, right? Through his ministry, he's just like, look, I'm going to, and of course we know what the church is. It's it's the whole creation. Literally, it's everywhere. It's the temple of the living being. Wherever you go, there's the church, right? He's, he's, Solidifying his church, and he's doing it in ch- in chapter sixteen, verse eighteen. One six one eight. One six one eight. One six one eight. What is that? This is known as would be known as the five verse in scripture. The very verse in which Jesus establishes his church is a reference to what one point six one eight. Of course, we know, you know, phi is we've covered. The, I'm just going to show this real quick. Phi is all over the human body. Okay, this is this the golden mean, golden proportion, golden ratio. It's basically a ratio in which plants grow and you grow and all this other stuff. It's a fingerprint, as we say, it's a fingerprint of God. That's what phi is. It's a design signature of God. Okay? Um, and Jesus is like, I'm going to establish my church on this rock. I will build this church. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, and then we'll get into the. Let me see. I want to make sure I have this right here. Yeah. Okay. So let's. So let's go back here. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. <clears throat> Simon Peter saying this. What is Simon Peter? He's Simon Peter is Simon Petra. Petra means rock. This is your Aries, your Lamb, your Ram. Peter, of course, means stone or rock. So he's building a st- on this tr- on this rock. I will build my church, and he's mentioning Peter, right? And then he says, "I'm going to give it to you. You know, it's going to be received from my Father in heaven. This is received to admit, except he received any esoteric or secret science is Kabbalah. This is a Kabbalistic revelation. What is the cu- what is the rock, the stone in which the church is built? It's the cube. It's the cube." Up, down, it's the city of God, by the way, too. Up, down, left, right, forward, and reverse. This is what all of these traditions are actually pointing to. There's Freemasonry. Rough ashlar stone, perfect ashlar stone. You're going to chip away all the nonsense, all the crap, and ultimately you're going to get to the perfect form of the cube. It's the rock. It's the stone upon which the church is built. What is the early Rosicrucian said? What is the philosopher's stone? What does that look like? It looks like a cube. 
The early Rosicrucians said the stone of the philosophers is to be found everywhere, yet is fully unknown. It is both noblest and lowliest mineral and not mineral. It has a special relationship to fire. Philosopher's stone is present everywhere, Michael Mayer says, under men's feet, in the heavens, on the water, and on the hillsides. Look everywhere on that painting. What is it? It's a bunch of cubes. It's a bunch of cubes. It's the stone upon which the whole church is built. <clears throat> Kabbalah. Kaaba means cube. Kaaba Allah, the cube of God. The cube not only forms a cross, gives you the proportions of, or gives you the XYZ coordinates in which you navigate through reality, and then not only that, it gives you a bunch of math. It's a cube of truth. All three of the Abrahamic faiths are absolutely based on this knowledge. Period. He's building his church, mentioning it in Matthew 16, 18, which is a reference to 1.618.5. And he's teaching you about Kabbalah. This comes from, ah, what's his name? God, I got a headache. Um, God, I don't remember his name. He's a Christian esotericist Kabbalist. <clears throat> and I'm going to read this. This is what he says. This is one of the reasons we are doing this church. At the present time, a powerful wave of occult thought is spreading through society. Thinking men are beginning to awake to the fact that there are more things in heaven and earth than in dreamed of in their philosophies. And last but not least, it is now felt that the Bible, which has been probably more misconstrued than any other book ever written, amen, contains numberless obscure and mysterious passages which are utterly unintelligible without some key wherewith to unlock their meaning. That key is given in the Kabbalah. Jesus is going to base his church on this knowledge. Therefore, this work should be of interest to every biblical and theological student. Kabbalah should be of interest to every biblical and theological student. Amen. Let every Christian ask himself this question. How can I think to understand the Old Testament if I be ignorant of the construction put upon it by that nation whose sacred book it was formed? We know the Old Testament is written Kabbalistically. How are you going to possibly understand the Old Testament unless you understand Kabbalah? If you don't understand the Old Testament, you're not going to understand the New Testament. And that's what's going on. Uh, if it be ignorant of the construction put upon, I um, and if I know not the meaning of the Old Testament, how can I expect to understand the New? You're not. Were the real and sublime philosophy of the Bible better known, there would be fewer fanatics and sectarians. And who can calculate the vastness of the harm done to the impressionable and excitable persons by the bigoted enthusiasts, whoever and anon come forward as teachers of the people? <clears throat> Let's say this. I say fearlessly to the fanatics and bigots of the present day, you have cast down the sublime and infinite one from his throne and in his, and in his stead have placed the demon of unbalanced force. Amen. <laughs> you have substituted a deity of disorder and jealousy for a God of order and, uh, and of love. You have perverted the teachings of the crucified one. Therefore, at this present time, an English translation of the Kabbalah is almost a necessity. <laughs> the English translation of the Kabbalah is almost a necessity. It absolutely is. Because without that, we're, we're cluster screwed in a, a billion different interpretations and beliefs of what the Bible is actually trying to say. Jesus is saying, I'm building my rock. 
I'm building this church upon this rock. And what is that rock? That's Kabbalah. Kabbalah. He says it to St. Peter. He's saying this to St. He's building it on Peter, which means rock. What is, what is, uh, what, where, does, uh, where is Jesus crucified? Where is, what is Peter? He's Aries, which is the head, which is the ram, which is the lamb. You're building his church on Peter right here. Kabbalah tells you what? About the six directions of which this thing is navigating through. There's a little dude in your head. You see that little? He's got arms. This is the hippocampus, I believe. He's got a little... He almost looks like a, like a Trojan horse warrior kind of thing. That's at the end of your spinal column. <laughs> That's Golgotha. That's the skull. That's Peter. Simon Peter, in which the entire church is built. This was... Uh, we went to... Jennifer and I went to up here, Peoria, Illinois, and there was the St. Mary's uh, Catholic Cathedral. And I don't know. I don't know who this is supposed to be. I think it might be Peter. I'm not sure, but um, as you can see, on his left hand he's holding the cross, Jesus on the cross, and then on his right hand he's holding a skull. Again, every single one of these, uh, every single one of these symbolic passages is trying to tell you about where all of this is going on. 1619. Then he says this. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Number one, the keys, the key is represented as Kabbalah as well, but you'll also see what is he referencing? Something cosmologically, it has to be. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is a reference to the silver and golden gates. So let's go here. These are pictures Jennifer and I took uh, when we were in Germany. There's just silver and golden keys. <clears throat> so, so there's there's Jesus handing off to Peter the keys, and look at them. They're silver and gold, which of course means sun and moon. Of course, gold is always you know you know symbolic of the sun, silver, the moon. Of course, we all know that. Um, so here's you know this is the big picture of it. Jesus is handing off those keys to Peter. It's the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Of course, the main symbol of the Vatican, what is it? It's those keys. It's the very keys to heaven, to the silver and golden gates. What are the silver and golden gates? It's in the sky. The silver gate is pretty much exactly, I mean, not even pretty much, that's exactly where we're talking about. This is exactly where we were in the story. Gemini, Taurus, Caesarean section, the Fond of Horses, the Coasts of Philippia, Pi, the whole bit. And where, exactly where we are in the story, and where is it? That's the Silver Gate. You go, so what happens is you have your ecliptic like this, right? And you have your Milky Way that, that spans across the ecliptic. The two points in which it spans across the ecliptic are where are, are, the Milky Way goes over the ecliptic is called the Silver and Golden Gate in astrology. This, these are the keys that are being handed off to, to Peter. So when you look at the Milky Way, and the you know like you know it's basically this idea that it's spanning over your you know your ecliptic, and so then it creates two separate places: one place that looses uh, souls and binds them, heaven and earth. Okay, and this is exactly what the the let's read this once again. Sorry, Jesus, too many graphics. 
says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So these are the gateways in which you essentially enter in, enter and exit into the material realm. Okay? Now, the Cherokee said the same thing. There are two dogs, Alpha and Beta, you know, Canis Major, Canis Major, Canis Minor, who guard the path of the Milky Way to the land of souls. This is literally what the Bible is saying, and then this is what the Cherokee are saying. In the exact same place, look where they're pointing. Where are the dog stars? Where's the two dogs? They, they literally make up part of the hexagon, the winter hexagon. So the keys that they're that they're he's handing them to him is like you now have the knowledge of God's story, the gospel, the cosmology. And, and modern Christianity refutes astrology. So there is your winter hexagon again. The stone in which Jesus is going to build his church. What is that? What's the cube in the hexagon? Three-dimensional cube, two-dimensional hexagon. You see what's going on? The center of where that's striking, that would be right essentially where Orion's striking. That's where the sun in its path of the ecliptic is getting to what? Your was that your um, your sol your solstice there, or um, excuse me, sorry, but right you know right by the whole bit right there you got your winter hexagon. This is six around one. In the sky, telling you about the place that souls come and leave. Then charged he his disciples. 1620, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man, don't tell anybody, that he was Jesus the Christ. Why? We've talked about this numerous times. Too many graphics. Too many graphics. Tell no one. He says it all, all throughout the Bible. Numerous, numerous times. He's literally saying, don't keep a, keep a secret. Don't tell anybody. And he charged them that they should tell no man, nor tell to anyone in the town. He charged them that they should tell no man. He charged them that they should tell no man what they had seen. Why? Because this is the mystery school tradition to a freaking T. To a T. Albert Pike, 33. 33 degree. Masonry, like all the religions, like all the religions, the mysteries, hermeticism, and alchemy conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages or the elect and uses false explanations and misinterpretations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be, only to be misled, to conceal the truth which it calls light. Now, Jesus is saying all of this stuff. And we've gone over this again and again. He's saying all this stuff. And it just as they just as it says in this chapter, he's like, oh, oh, we get what you mean by when you say the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You're not actually talking about leaven to make bread rise. You're talking about how they're they're fucking wicked and their doctrines are wicked. We understand that. They do not. We get it because we're in alignment with Christ. They do not. Jesus is doing exactly this. He's using a parable, which in one sense is a false explanation and misinterpretation. Is it really about bread? No. No. 
But they're using that because those people deserve to be misled. They deserve to be the truth concealed from them. Because what? They're just going to pervert it. So, and (laughs) this is why Jesus is a Gnostic. He's he's running, in, in a sense, a mystery school. That's what he's doing. Okay? All right. We got probably another like uh, 20 minutes or so, something like that. So we are going to pass the basket around. If you would like to support the fine work that we do here, we would really appreciate it. Um, so you can go to Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App, or you can go to Subscribestar. And if you'd like to send any mail, you can send mail to Kevin McNally and to 550 Southview Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. <laughs> for your support and your attention and your care and all of it. We really appreciate it. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. There's your third day math again. What, so he's, he's basically saying that the, the, just as the whole Bible constantly says, like the prophecy must be fulfilled, right? Because if the prophecy isn't fulfilled, then the Jewish Messiah or whatever didn't show up in this sort of sense, right? So we have basically what it's saying is that because Christ, because Jesus represents in one symbolic manifestation the Son, his life story must reflect the grander story. The grander story of the cosmos, just like we are, a, just like we are a fractal of the larger thing. Jesus is representing that. Hey, I am a fractal of this larger thing. Spiritually, you know, I'm going to have to undergo this death and resurrection that the Son undergoes, because it's a it's a parallel, right? It's always three days. It's three days in the belly of the whale, and three days this, and three days that. Why? Well, I'm not. I'm not going to. I've talked about this enough the last few live streams. I'm just going to leave it on the screen here. You can you can look at this all yourself. The, the math of the three days, the seconds, the minutes, and the hours are all Kabbalistically encoded in the English in his name, in his holy and great name. Lord Jesus Christ, 72 hours. Multiply Jesus, it's the minutes, 4,320. Multiply, you know, five letters times Jesus, six letters times Christ, 25,920. It's only, you know, times 10 off of the seconds. So all of the three days math, it's all encoded in 
the Kabbalistically in Christ's name. And once again, that has to reflect what? Why is there the three days? Because the sun naturally does that. So that's that's one one of the reasons that we extract that that math there. Okay. <clears throat> And Peter took him, and he, Peter didn't want to hear this. He's like, and he began to rebuke Christ, saying, and he, by the way, he just built the church on Peter, on this rock, right? Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Oh, no, this cannot happen. You just need to go away and, you know, let's, you know, it's like, it's a rejection of the future. It's a rejection of, it's like, oh, no, we don't want the sun to rise over there. No, the sun's rising. Doesn't matter what you think, what you do. There's a order to this world, and that order is going going to you know it's going to do what it's going to do. The prophecy must be fulfilled. Okay, be, oh, go away, be far from the Lord. This shall not be. We can't have this to you. And he turned, and this is a big question that people have, right? And it's it's really not that big of a deal. But he turned sixteen twenty three. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. He's calling Peter Satan. Wait, what? What? You just built your house, right? You built your church on this and now he's Satan? What is, what is he actually saying? He's just like, well, I'll get to that. Then he says, thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. He's speaking to, he's, he's turning to Peter, but he, what is he doing? He's speaking to the, the, the devil that all of a sudden came into Peter, if you will. All of a sudden, this, this, this Satan shows up and it's just like, ah, no, right? And of course, that that being is not savoring the things of the Almighty, the Eternal. What is it? It's listening to the commandments of men. Okay. Now, why is all of a sudden this is Christ Church is being built on the five verse, the whole bit? Why all of a sudden is is uh, is Peter doubting? Right. Well, this is a lesson. This is a this this whole thing is a mini lesson here. Right. Is that Peter had doubt. Peter was not completely locked in his faith. Peter was like, wait, no, that can't happen. No, 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 right? As soon as Jesus announces his church, who shows up? The devil himself. Why? Because that's what the devil does. As soon as any bit of light comes out, what happens? Just think about think about censorship on the internet. All of a sudden, a little truth gets out. It's like, ooh, Sandy up. That's not what we're doing. And all of a sudden, right, they have to go and like, oh, censor and smash it and put it down, right? It's the same thing with the, the, the devil. All of a sudden, you get, it's like, oh, we're, we're, this is goodness. This is righteousness. This is virtue. This is heaven on earth. The devil's going to see that and be like, I got to get there. I got to get there and fuck that place up. And that's what's going on. Then he says this. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man come after me, let him deny himself What's the self? What's the self? Well, I'll, I'll go back. And take up his cross and follow me. Deny his self. What is he saying here? Make sure I get on the, back on the right one here. Um, let's go back. Now I gotta find the graphic. Give me one second. <clears throat> He's saying, deny the self. Who do you think you are? I'm Bobby Knight. No, 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 I'm Tammy Tambo. No, I'm Alicia Dixon. No, I'm John Johnson. No, 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 no deny yourself the the ex in this sense the external the 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 fleeting the passing the temporary that sort of stuff and you're seeking the eternal that's what he's saying if any man will come after me let him deny himself that exterior thing find the spark of christ the son of man that exists within you even given geometrically all throughout this thing take up your cross what's your cross what's your sword of the spirit which is the word of god of course 
and follow me. But what is the cross as well? The cross is the cross of matter. The cross of matter. The cross is formed by two, you know, uh, the English terms horizontal and vertical. There's a vertical, you know, piece of wood and there's a horizontal one, right? Those just happen to equal 32 and 33 in English gematria, which is allegedly the number of years that Christ lived, either 32 or 33. I don't, maybe that's just a coincidence. I don't know. But he's saying that, you know, the, the cross, this is the cross of matter. When you put your arms out and you put your, you know, this is the Vitruvian man kind of thing, right? You put your arms out and you put your legs down, right, straight like this. What do you have? What do you have? You have the cross of matter. You have that, you know, that's, and that's what he's saying. Take up your cross, deny yourself this external thing, find the eternal spark within me, within you, and follow me. And he's going to lead to the center of everything. So this is, this is yet again, just the, the I am coming, coming forth just straight out, you know. He's like, you have to understand what that is. That is the eternal spark of God that exists within everybody. Okay, this is and um, now let's let's get that. Let's 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 move forward here. Okay, um, wait, did I miss something here? I think I did. Oh yes, I'm sorry, I forgot to say. And then he says sixteen twenty five. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. When you save your life, you get what eternal life, and you're going to lose the life that you have here. All those things that you thought you were. Right? Well, no, I'm Kevin McNally. I was the guy that, like, you know, like, you know, I do this and I drink and I play guitar and I drink the beers and I do this blah, 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 stuff like that. No, that you're not actually that, right? What you are is the eternal spark within. You lose the external, you'll gain your life, which is eternal life. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. What is the life? It's eternal life. If you cling to the things in the material dimension, you're not going to find that eternality. This is what he's saying. Deny all of those temporary, immaterial, or, you know, excuse me, temporary, fleeting, passing sort of stuff. Align with eternal truth. Follow me and let's do this shit. Okay? Let's get up to heaven. 1626, and this is what he says. For what is a man profited... If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, you can gain all the riches and all the wealth and all the adoration and all the attaboys and all the red carpets rolled out for you down here. What does it mean if you're going to lose your soul? It means jack all, means nothing. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Think about that. What shall, you know, down here, it's like, you know, there's tons of things you could exchange for your soul, right? There's tons of contracts and offers and that sort of stuff that we're given. And he says this, 1627, for the son of man, the light of man within you shall come in the glory of his father. What is this? This is the Lord and the God. This is the monad. This is what we've been talking about, I don't know, for a decade <laughs> so the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father, God in heaven, the Lord within here, with his angels. Which is which is what? Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is Kabbalistic. That's the ten emanations of God. The Father is what? The Tetragrammaton. And the Son of Man is what? The light within you. For the Son of Man shall come up within you in the glory of his Father from up above with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. According to what? How much were you aligned with the great work while you were here? 
you will be judged on what you did down here. And by, by the way, I don't I, like Christians that, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just faith. You just, that's like, how in the hell did you even come to that conclusion? You know, there's, and I don't know what like denominations there are of this, but the people are just like, oh, I don't need to, you know, it's not about my works. It's all about faith. You know, it's like, no, no, Jesus is kind of saying something else here. Okay. Then this last statement basically leads to the next chapter is really what it is. It's the transfiguration of Christ, and we'll get into that. Okay, and the, the transfiguration of Christ in the next chapter is, is speaking directly about everything that we just talked about in this chapter. Okay, about the fact that like what we're going to find out in the next chapter is Jesus goes up into this sort of high place or whatever, and then Moses and Elias are there. And I forget who shows up, like Simon Peter shows up. And he's like, oh my God, you guys are all here. Great. And next thing you know, boom, the three become one. Why? Because he realizes, oh, that Moses, Moses, that's an external sort of just name or whatever. And Jesus, that's just an external sort of name. And, you know, Jeremiah or whatever, Elias, that's just an external sort of name. What's actually behind them, though? The, the Son of God, the only Son of God, which is what? The, the spark of God, the I Am. So then he says, he ends this 1628, Verily I say unto you, there shall there be some standing here right in front of him, which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And this will make more sense when we get to the next chapter. What is this? You're not going to taste the death. What you need to die before you're reborn. You need to die before you're going to be reborn. So you're not going to taste the death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And where is his kingdom? Where is his kingdom? You know what the dome, they call this the dome, the firmament, the firmament, the dome of stars that are above you. And we say that thing is a firmament. It's securely fixed in your mind. And, and the kingdom of heaven resides within you. See them. Where are we going to see? Oh, there he is. There's Jesus flying over with his white horse on the horizon. No, where are you going to see Christ arise? In here. And if you rise up to heaven, you're going to need some wings. So you're going to need to be a gubbard. Okay? So uh, let's get into it. Perfect. <laughs> Okay, um, so how are we doing? Um, oh, Martin Webb is getting deleted, huh? I don't know what's going on there. Okay, well, I'll just let that be. Okay, so if you'd like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird at Subscribestar. You can become a Phoenix bird, an Aquila bird, a Sigis bird, or you can become Tom and Pete, my bird. And if you'd like to send any donations, you can send them to uh, Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app, Subscribestar. And uh, Ken McNally, N2550, Southview Court, Mineral, Wisconsin 53566. I want to say thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute and Rumble and Odyssey and all those good things. Also, get we are live uh, on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Get the app. And also the gathering. We've got um, the where is this? Ooh, ooh, gathering coming up. Uh, there's the speakers. Bunch of uh, great speakers. Alex Zach, me. Amanda Vollmer, uh, Melissa Sell, Bear Lando, Kelly Brogan, a bunch of musicians, Zuby. Um, Head Flux, five, five times August, I think that guy's pretty good. Mike Winter, um, so it's, but yeah, it's going to be good. So, um, yeah, and if you can, go to Flattoberfest, October 21st, 23rd, or excuse me, 21st and 22nd, 2023. Get my numbers correctly, and it's going to do it. So, um, do we have any, thing? I just want to say, says, oh, okay. Did you send me that, or donations? Well, thank you. Daniel Hagar, thank you so much. Jeremy Hines, just killing it. My Lord, thank you so much. 
Alicia Croft, I think I forgot to say these last time, so I want to say them again this time. So uh, Alicia Crawford, Chad Anderson, Daniel Hager, Daniel Hendrick, Shannon Seal, Jam Grassi, Ruth Scott, Magical Steven, Corby Olson, Krista, Jeremy Hines, Lawrence J. Latembio, Kevin Vina, J.M. Rossi, Jared Poole, John Vina. You guys are the shiznit. Lisa Rose, gratitude from Scott and Lisa Rose. God bless. Thank you. Andrew Masonette, here's to keep that internet running. Thank you so much. Jordan Henry, $10. Thank you. Small Axe, 20 Brilliant as always. Every new, every week, a new revelation of scriptural understanding. Many thanks again. Loving it. Witness, 1999. Thank you so much. John Vina for Brother Hunter's Eyes. Yeah, not looking good. Looking pretty pretty uh, pretty awful right now. I had a rough week. Virginia Murray, 1111. Thank you so much. Jared Poole, the mother frickin' man. Thank you so much. God bless you. Uh, Jamie Greeley, thank you. Jennifer McLaughlin, Sunday service. Thank you. Casey Howitt, bread in the basket. Oh, I like that. That's good. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, you guys are killing it. You guys are, uh, I really appreciate that. It's really allowing us to keep this thing going. So God bless you. So, um, all right. I think that's going to do it for me. I, we will be back online. I'll probably do Tuesdays with Marty. looks like the air is clear and it looks like we have a pretty decent internet connection. So there's a bunch of stuff I want to cover, go over. I've got a whole folder I'm going to talk about. So we will do Tuesdays with Marty. And Jennifer is going to reschedule her um, emotional intelligence talk. I'm just not sure when it is. I am speaking to um, Stephen Carpenter of the, the Deftones, I think on Wednesday or something like that. So we'll put that out and it's going to be good. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for me. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Okay, learn your numbers. Learn your stars. Learn your etymology. You know, it uh, will help you expand and grow your consciousness so that we can be one mind with Christ. Because that's what it says. People rip on Christ's consciousness and things like that. That's ridiculous. You know, it says in the Bible that we're supposed to be one mind with Christ. What is Christ had consciousness, right? And so if we're supposed to be one mind with Christ, what's wrong with Christ's consciousness? Not much. Not much. It's only churchianity and the churchians that get have uh, you know they get their undies and a granny and their BBDs and a bind over that shit and they shouldn't anyway that's gonna do it for me guys thank you so much um, I will see you on Tuesday I've been trying to keep these under an hour and a half because you know I, I value you guys time and I like to keep things moving so we've been doing good on that so that's awesome so I will see you guys on Tuesday and it's going to rock so all right that's gonna do it have yourselves a wonderful Sunday as always many blessings and much love to all